Hello and welcome to the Digger Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with earth-moving attachments. Join Digger CEO Alan Wade, product specialist Anthony Weekman, and head of marketing Lionel Smitka for a blend of helpful information, interviews and funny stories from the past 40 years. Today we're going to bring you part two of our discussion on drives, and in particular screw anchor drives. With the US and Canada leading the world in screw anchoring, our plan was to bring you Bo Ellingson from our US office to help us break down screw anchoring. But with trade show season in full swing in the US, it's been hard to nail him down. So instead, today we're going to talk about trade shows. Once again, I'm joined by Alan and Anthony. Good place to start, Al. Um, what's your favourite show? Well, of all the different types of shows and and around the world, and you know, I've, I've been to quite a few in all my years. I still go back to the old Penrith Field days, back in like '94, I think it was. Was weather-wise absolute worst. It was bucketing down from for setup, bucketing down the days before, you know, all the days before. I think at one point they actually had a, a, a road grader come through and and push all the, the mud to the sides um, just so people could still sort of walk on some sort of hard ground. But in terms of attendance and and dollars spent, and that's how we gauged, you know, how many orders you took on the day at a, at a, at a show, that 94 was... One of the best, I think, and for us, it was relatively in New South Wales, a small outfit, but I think we well, took that, that was the year real big. We, we decided to go huge stand. And yeah, bigger stand. We got about one of every machine that was out there yeah. on the market. We ended up with shite loads of bark all over the place just so people weren't walking we, in mud. Then we get someone took about a half a metre of topsoil off the, just scraped it off because yeah. we were just all sinking in. Yeah, I know. Big it mud was a, pile It was a shock, shocker from that point, mm. but... People just came out. There was you know, mums and dads and kids walking around with their shoes off, jeans rolled up, you know, pushing the pushing the stroller through the mud. And guys were just pulling those days checks were the, the thing. Guys were just pulling their checkbooks out. Hmm. And I think in the the sort of three days, I think we took ninety odd thousand dollars worth of orders, which was hmm. to us was like high fives. You know, that was that was a real a really good show. True spend too, not the not yeah. the user reps. Oh, yeah, we sold everything. Yeah, no, no, it was, <laughs> it was a true spend, but I think we even sold the bark after it. <laughs> so, is it fair to say that is one of your favourites as well? Yeah, absolutely. The old the old Penrith days were were just no wild though. They had great days out. Everyone was keen to see it. You know, it wasn't big. With internet and being able to search that way, so so guys were out there and you'd have something new and and obviously Digger was in a real growth stage, so each time we'd pop up at a show, there would have lots of new attachments and you know or, or innovate with a, a new style of what we had. So um, yeah, there was always a lot of excitement, there was a carnival atmosphere, and everyone was um, pumped. So and it's probably fair to say that uh, the atmosphere has changed. I, I'm presuming over the years, I, I think. All exhibitors used to sort of be friends, and it wasn't as competitive. It was more of a family. Yeah, look back back in those days, the early days of Penrith, it was run by the the councils. I believe. Yeah, it was in association. It, it, it was with, an um, independent. Well, the, the councils would have their their conference, and yeah. then they'd all wander out. Yeah. But then the contractors started getting in because it started as the council yeah. show, but then the contractors 
yeah. got involved as well, and and that they'd be looking around. Then the council guys would come in and have a look. Yeah, because the, the 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 council guys that attended the the conference, which was always inside um, Panthers, mm. they would come out and they would be, and being a fr- and it was a Friday, they'd have their buyers or their their foreman from each of their um, depots all around the all around the state and probably from, and probably interstate as well. They would all come out, so it was a buying frenzy on a Friday. But it was mainly just council guys, and then then in the afternoon after three o'clock, you would get the, you know, the Joe Blows sort of worker guy who'd, yeah. who'd knock off early and, and come in and walk around and have a look. Then he'd be back on the Saturday with his with his family, because in those days the the wives were a big decision maker. Yeah, minister for finance. Yeah, minister. <laughs> yeah, but they were. They were, the, they, were, they were the good, the yeah. good old days, yeah. but you know what? It it, it drifted into then um, An exhibition companies yeah, yeah. taking control, yeah. and it just lost all its all its flavour. Mm. And it's a well, that's what the DDT boys have sort of captured back that old bit of that old yeah. school show, and, yeah. and there's a bit of something there for the family. There's something there for the kids, the wife, and then dad's off having a look at no. what it, whatever he wants. They've got and, it. So. The DDT, you know, the committee that, that runs that, they've done a great job, and they, yeah. they've, they've brought it back to those the good old days, so to speak. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah it's about the about what's um, getting displayed. Yeah, for, I think so. for too many years there's been um, expo companies uh, putting on shows in every city. You know, these people, they've got caravan shows they've got boat shows they've got shows of every flavor and they just go around and they, they see oh there's no there's no construction show in brisbane and they, they create one and you know they're all after money they're, they're it's they're, about selling the site not about getting getting the info out to the people and, and getting people in you, you they're know there to make money they're they're there the more money they spend on advertising is the less money in their pocket so those shows, we had, you know, over a decade of them and at the moment they're dying off and, you know, mm. let's hope they keep dying off. Cost of fortune again. You, you, you know if any, any of the expo companies are listening to our podcast, our rates just went up. <laughs> <laughs> hence why I'll just, hence I'll why just charge were. more at the gate. We, I mean, one, of the, one of the last shows I think um, Nathan went to, it was, it was 70, $78 or $77 for him. To get in for the two days or three days to get into the show, like yeah. he, he, the guy's not going to give up half a day's work and go pay, you know, forty bucks to go and to go and spend his, more money on yeah, a machine. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's crazy. Look, look at the Agquip. You know, still the one of the largest, if not largest, agricultural machinery um, shows at, at Gunnedah, and it's still free. Yeah, it's free to walk in, and, yeah. and they still get. People drive from hundreds of kilometres around to, to come and check and out the that show. Steak sandwich anyway. Yeah, yeah. You watch the poor thing sitting there, moving, moving, and, <laughs> and you're cooking his brother next to him. <laughs> well, it's you know it's great. You, um, and you just touched on you know regional show. That's another type of show that I think will survive. Uh, you know, it brings the town, it brings the community together. They all get out. It's not just about construction. That's their that's their yearly that's their yearly get together. Yeah, for the community, for the families, you you know, you see that they people come from you know literally, and if I said a thousand kilometres away Mm, to a show, they've come a thousand kilometres, and they're dressed to the nines. They're in in, in their best, you know, RM Williams. Yeah, their best (laughs) RMs, and 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 yeah, and they you can see they're loving it. It's that day off the off the farm, and they and they're there to buy. Yeah. You know, and, and I always, you know, said to the guys when we're at, like, um, 
at Orange or Gunnedah or whatever, you know, again, getting back to the Minister of Finance, the wife, talk yeah. to the wife as much as you talk to the, to the, to the, the, the father or the, the son or whatever, look at his wife and talk to his wife because... She's got the checkbook. She's got the checkbook. She's in the, a majority shareholder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. um, the other type of show uh, is your large national DDT, um, you know, your large construction shows. Generally, you know, there's one per country, one per state. They're the that what will survive. Yeah. You know, we talked earlier about maybe moving the one show to a different state every year. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. If you move DDT, if that moves, you know, New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, you know, so every every sort of three years or two years, you're, you're getting it in a different state. I reckon that'd be. Yeah. You know, just it reinvigorates it. You get a, those. Different audience or different clientele that are coming to yeah. it that you know maybe and you'll find can't people fly will the travel state. then too. Yeah, you know, yeah. There are people from yeah. you know Queen, Queensland will go to. Well, yeah. I was going to say go to Victoria, but right at this moment probably not. But yeah. Yeah. you know, um, people will go, and it's for twofold: a to, to see the show in a different environment, and b they get a couple of days off in another in a, you know another city. Yeah, yeah. You know, treated as a travelling, as a work expense. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And I guess that the last type of show is your industry-specific, your high-end rental show, your concrete show. That type of show, I think, still has a place. Mm. Uh, I, while they're a lot smaller in scale and we're only you know, talking you know, 1,000 um, people coming through the gates, I still think there's great value and you know, they're all prospective buyers and I think they're still a very good show. All right, moving on to some overseas shows. Al, any shows stand out? One or 20. <laughs> I think, you know, once you... If you compare... Really, you can't compare shows in Australia to, to shows around the world. You know, you've got the, you've got the big three, Con Expo in Vegas, um, Bauma, Munich, and, um, well, what it was Intermat in Paris. I think the Intermat show is starting to to die off a bit in Paris because it's actually become more of a French show. Yeah, very much so. So Not just to put it in context, uh, every three years, Con Expo, Bauma, Intermat, and they, you know, so one year you've got uh, Bauma, yeah. then you've got um, Con Expo, and then you've got Intermat, and they sort of rotate over uh, a three-year cycle. But the Intermat one, like you said, is becoming a very much locals uh, very few people yeah. uh, travel from around the world uh, to it yeah I, actually I, I think even we've always we've always attended all three and I think the last intermat we went at just exhibiting on um, no, a dealer a dealer yeah. support I think topaz or whatever it was and but of those you know when you when you do or you get to you know to when we actually got to do Baumer ourselves that was like the pinnacle you know a, a, what we call a small Australian business, uh, actually, you know, displaying it. The world the stage. World. It's and it is. It's the. I think they say it's something like, um, it's the world's biggest trade show, by everything, by attendance, by size. You know, given that the the equipment they're showing is massive. You know, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, you know, we note that um, that um, Liebherr, they take, I don't know six to eight months or something to set their stand up. Mm. It's it's incredible. They move their whole their whole operation office. There, yeah. yeah, the whole op- operation basically moves there. They've got like a four story yeah, office block built. It's incredible. 
or just some numbers on that. It's a 16,000 square metre, three-storey building. Mm. Uh, they take six months to put it up and 200 truck worth of uh, material to build it. Uh, this is for a seven-day show. Um, and then they pull it apart. They take months to pull it apart uh, and go from there. Imagine the dollars that are involved in that. It's incredible because oh. their machines, their biggest mining truck uh, tyres are 3.6 metres high. It's um, 220 tonne capacity. They have to build that on site as well. So yeah. it's not just the stand that they build. It's all the machinery comes in pieces and they, um, they assemble it on site. It's crazy. Um, they gave away 22,000 litres of beer and 26,000 pretzels. Um, that's a city. That's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, but just to see the, you know, the stand, there's hourly shows. It's like Cirque du Soleil, yeah. you, you yeah. know, hourly. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But the, the Bauma show has got 18 halls, undercover halls. Each hall is 150 metres long by 75 metres wide. Uh, Caterpillar had their own hall. So you can just imagine, I know that what we paid for a 6 metre by 7 metre stand, I can imagine mm. the cost that they would put, the millions and millions of dollars they would put into such a show is incredible. And obviously, they, you know, there's a return on it. You know, for, to them. Has to yeah, it must yeah. be worth it for them, yeah. 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 They wouldn't keep doing yeah. it years after years. Yeah. And, you know, like I say, I know what it costs, costs us to do, you know, to do our display. And it's, I mean, do we get a, you know, an initial return on it straight away? Probably not. But it's, it's, it's in that three years. And it's recognition, isn't it, throughout oh, the world of, yeah. of being a, you know, a... a Premium yeah. gearbox manufacturer yeah. and an attachment manufacturer. Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, we when we were displaying at the last Bowmer, you know, um, there was tour groups from Australia, you know, industry tour groups, and whether that was, you know, Komatsu, you know, taking a whole heap of guys over, or, or, or you know, um, Hitachi, whatever, you know, they they all have their tours where they go off and you know they'll go and do a factory tour and, and then they'll spend a couple of days of the show. Well, they, they were actually. Um, they would bring people around to the Australian exhibitors, you know, find everyone who's there from Australia who's exhibiting, and they'd all come by your stand and say, you know, good on you, you know, great to see an Australian, you know, brand here. And, and that's a good bit of recognition from your own country. Mm. But, you know, then we, you know, I, um, I always go back to, to the, the language, like to us it's a language barrier. Because, you know, we, here we are in Australia and, you know, unless you're, you know, from a, um, you know, another nationality, you know, your parents, your grandparents or whatever, you probably don't speak another language, you know. I, I personally, I speak four languages. I've got um, Australian, American, English and New Zealand. <laughs> so, you know, I can, I can pretty much converse with anyone. <laughs> I thought I was learning something. I thought, well, yeah. I know all these languages. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I saw your eyes light up. <laughs> but... Um, I, I remember one show we're at, and we've got a, a, a girl works for us in the UK, Christine, with a K. Christine speaks, and I could be wrong here, but it's five languages. Yeah, she's amazing. It's Armenian, Russian. French. French, German. Um, but anyway, she speaks five. But it's incredible. You can be on a, on a, on a show like Bauma, and Christine can be talking to someone, and you can hear her in the background, and she's talking in 
German. But here I am standing with a Russian who speaks very little English and I'm trying to get my point across and Christine will break away from her conversation and just pop her head into the middle of mine, rattle off whatever in Russian and the guy goes, da, <laughs> and we're back on track. And then she just turns back around and starts talking German again to the mm. guys. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I no, forgot English. Not. She speaks English. That's the other, <laughs> that's the other language. Well, uh, but, you know, and I, I say to her, how do you do that? What, what language do you think in? Yeah. You know? It must be hard. You must get mixed up. Wow. And yeah. you just see the relief in the when the guy's trying to communicate and then she comes in and can communicate with him yeah. and there's just that sign of relief of, oh, I can get my message across and what I'm asking for, and it, it just makes the whole experience yeah. a lot better for them. I spoke to the with a uh, another um, a guy who's from Poland, and he sp- he spoke some English, but he learnt the English language while living in Israel. So he learnt English through is- Israeli, whatever. You know, yeah. um, and he's Pole. <laughs> So it, it, it's like, you know, you, when you, you tell a joke and it takes someone to, a while to get it and then they laugh. It was like that talking to him. It was a process and he ex- excused himself because he had to think what he just heard in English, translate it into Israeli and then into Pole and then come back the same track to give me my answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but that, but they're, they're, they're just some, they're, they're the... I won't say pitfalls, but they're the interesting things about yeah. doing international shows, you know, just those barriers. But, you know, pitches and product, there's, yeah. you know, that's a thousand words. I, I recommend that if you're in the industry, you have to get to Bauma at some stage. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, 630,000 visitors, 3,500 exhibitors. Um, and I think, I don't know if we touch on the size, but 615,000 square metres of mm. exhibits. It's open for seven days. You cannot get through every single stand yeah. in seven days. Yeah. You can rush around um, and there's people on segways and, and electric skateboards getting around. Mm. But you've got to plan ahead. You've got to get the guide. You've got to, yeah, got uh, to map pick, your, where to go. pick your battle yeah. and, and you've just got to go. You cannot see it in yeah. seven days. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it, is, it is, like they say, it's physically impossible to walk past every stand in the seven days. Yeah. It, it cannot be done. Mm. No, because even if you tried by day three, your legs are <laughs> killing you, yeah. your feet are killing yeah. you, you, you want a day off anyway. Um, but for mine, you can't beat Con Expo in Vegas. Mm. Um, and... Yes, because Remember, of Vegas. What, stays in, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, careful what you say, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. um, Vegas for, for mine is, for a trade show, is incredible. And not for what you're probably thinking of. <laughs> it's just everybody stays on the same road. Everybody stays right... Well, everyone stays Vegas in the strip, the strip, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So every night you can catch up for dinner, you can catch up for a beer with people you've met on the show. We're in... Um, in Germany, in Munich, you know, housing 600,000 visitors, you can be 50 kilometres out of town. Yeah. Um, your day's done, you go home, you have dinner, you're in bed. We're in Vegas, taking away all the, the entertainment. Just to be able to catch up with those people and just be around everybody is just a fantastic spot. Mm. Um, I guess that's always the secret of any show, isn't it? I mean, that's why probably when we, at the start, we... we 
both me and Al said we liked Penrith and that was part of the appeal of the Penrith shows is that you're all staying over at Panthers. So it's exactly that. You, you've you've gone out, you've done your day at the show and then you, you're catching up with all the industry guys and, and you know, swapping war stories and, mm. and all that sort of thing. So whenever there's a show, that I guess if you're ever going to look at a, setting up a successful show, you, you, your location, like in anything, location, mm. location, location, is the... Is the key. If you've got a, a spot that everybody can stay and, and mull around after the show and during the show, then you're going to be successful. Absolutely. You know, the, the beauty of Vegas, you know, last year my wife flew over, we stayed next for three days, went to some shows, um, had a look around. Mm. You know, fantastic. You, you know, people bring their partners. It's just an excuse or like a, an expense, mm. oh. um, you know, to go. It's fantastic. I guess the Gold Coast in Australia is similar yeah. we just don't have the facilities um to be you know to have the shows of that size yeah yeah but they, i mean there's 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 downsides of vegas too in in like the the shows are um a union union run yeah and the uh, the, the facility is um affiliated with with unions so you have to use union labor yeah, union nothing wrong with uh, with unions where you know <laughs> but the, the expense yeah, is huge. Um, for us to move freight from our factory in Iowa to Las Vegas costs the same price as it does to move from the car park to our stand, yeah. about 100 metres. Yeah. It, it is incredible. Um, we can't lift carpet. You can't move a plug under a carpet. You've got to call the carpet union or... The electricians. The, the electrician in. can't move the carpet. Mm. They've got to call the carpet unions. Um, and that's just the way that they do business and, you know, you just work with it. It's fine, but there's a cost associated with that. Um, and the cost of exhibiting in, in, um, in Vegas or, you know, in a lot of places in the US is, is huge. But you get the crowds, you get the yeah. returns. Um, yeah. Trade shows over there are, are fantastic. Well, you know, Con Expo in Vegas is every three years. You know, it follows the, mm. the triangular pattern. But um, every year they have another show called World of Concrete. And it's, fortunately, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's usually about two weeks or three weeks before on that third year Con Expo. But World of Concrete for our American business is as important as Con Expo is to the to the world yeah. stage for us, so we 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 have to maintain that site at World of Concrete every year. And you and Lionel, you're the, you're the you know, the guru at manipulating how we get into better stand, uh, better halls or you know more industry specific halls. And I know that the dramas you go through to move those stands around is like playing a game of chess, isn't it? Yeah. I Absolutely, it's you know we we talked about uh, expo companies trying to make a, a dollar and you know changing the goalposts uh, every year and and how you know we can better things and and what the uh, how much it costs for us to to do so. That's just part and parcel of uh, the trade show game, I guess. Now, Al, we've been to a very interesting trade show, XCon in Bangalore. Bangalore. <laughs> What an experience that was! Oh yeah, well, yeah, Lion, yeah, we both know that we learned to talk with our with our necks and <laughs> heads on our shoulders because it, it, it has so many different meanings. Oh god, yeah, 
Yeah, you know, that, yeah. That one one little twitch to the to yeah. the right means okay. They they agree, they disagree, just but just subtle yeah. variants. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we, we just haven't picked up. It's but a, with head it, movements. Yes, it's head head. Head. it's it's sign it's a sign language. Yeah, and it's how they and they communicate across rooms with it. It's it's wow. You know, we look at it and it's a, it's like we have a giggle. But it's it's their way of life. Mm. It's how they actually communicate across a room. You know? Because we we question them and they and we said, oh, when do you use it? And he goes, oh, we use it for this. And then they have a conversation, but then they were using it differently. So, oh no, we use it for this as well. And so it was really interesting because Al and I were sort of in tune and looking for it and trying to understand it. And it's a movement that it's not natural to us. We can't do yeah, it. No. Uh, but yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah. Just that alone. No, we we dislocate our necks if we try to do it. They do. <laughs> you know um, the one where they thought you were a, a cricketer or something. Oh yeah, how could you that? how could you confuse me with with Matthew Hayden? Like I'm f- five foot nothing. Matthew Hayden's <laughs> like over six foot. But they <laughs> they believed I was Matthew Hayden. <laughs> yeah, I mean the age gap. Anyway, um, just to put uh, a bit of a, a scene to it, we arrived at the trade show an hour or so early. Because just to travel that 10 kilometres from the hotel to the trade show, we had to leave a couple of hours early. Yeah. The, the traffic is something else. Oh, it's incredible. The yeah. three-lane highway, they, they it's run... It's nearly as bad as the M1. They, oh, almost, they run five lanes, so they don't... You know, they just There's no lanes. There's there's I mean, no there, lanes. Are, there are defined lanes on the road, but they don't... The, 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 yeah, there's five lanes of cars on a three-lane highway. And, and they're not always going direct you know, north-south. No. They're, they're like... At some point, there's there's a car or a motorbike or a bus actually going east west. When everyone's heading north south, this but someone's going east west to change lanes and 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 how they just they just miss, just miss. Yeah, they, if there's a small gap, if you leave twenty centimeters between the front bumper, the car next year will get into. We'll get that. into it. Oh. If it looks like it's moving at one kilometer faster than your lane. Uh, and our driver was amazing, wasn't he? He mm, just yeah. he just zoomed. Well, in, we're in we're here trip. to talk about it. So. Yeah, it was incredible. Anyway, so we got to the show about an hour early, and we'd taken some digger cricket sets uh, to India, as you do. Probably the first thing we had to pack for the show. The dealers wanted to have a game of cricket, yeah, uh, in the, India in, in against the Australia, <laughs> in the Alway. And anyway, we started playing cricket. Uh, a crowd started gathering. And then suddenly the name Matthew Hayden started uh, uh, being uh, thrown around the crowd. Um, the crowd's growing. They take. They got. They're, they're standing there with their phones, taking pictures, <laughs> videoing, Lionel and myself with the, with the bat uh, and cricket. and playing cricket in in an aisle way. And they were serious. Uh, and I think the the major thing we forget, forgot to mention is that Matthew Hayden's left-handed, <laughs> and, and Alan isn't. I'm, not, you, even, I'm not even a cricketer. Uh, Matthew Hayden can hit a goal, uh, a cricket, cricket ball, ball as well. Yeah. So, but um, no, but the, the, how serious serious they they took it. There was one of their senior sales reps from um, the company were over there um, with they. He was actually positioning. Yeah, he was setting the fieldsman. field. Setting the field. He was setting the field. And this is in a <laughs> three meter wide aisleway. Yeah, with stands either side, and he's putting people over on other stands. <laughs> back to the boundary. Back to the boundary. <laughs> but um, the setup of the show, um, oh. just to set up the show, they just use scrap. They, they just go to the bin on the outside. 
They cut a bit hey, of it's, scrap. It's, it's a great way of recycling. Unbelievable. It's so they must just leave bins and material out the back of yeah. the, the, the hall yeah. and they just use what, they, what they've got. They make doors, tables, you know, the front of the stands. Mm. We just saw, saw them make everything. Um, and then, you know, the coat of paint and you turn up to the show on opening day and it looks a million dollars. Yeah, it looks like any world-class trade show. But the day before... It was, it was pieces of scrap material from a, from a skip bin outside. And what about the power tools? They do yeah. two wires. They strip the wires and they put the wires directly into the PowerPoint. So um, not a place Ryan should visit? To no, 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 no. Keep your OH&S people away from <laughs> it. They'd, they'd be shaken. shaken. Unbelievable. Um, I think one, one night Lionel and myself were walking out. This is on setup day and we're walking out and Lionel tapped me and pointed up and we looked up and his... Here's a, a, a young guy hanging over the facade of this stand painting with old mate, had one hand on his singlet and the other hand on his ankle holding him so he wouldn't fall. <laughs> that, was the, that was his safety strip. Yeah, he was hanging upside down oh, painting the stand. And we were just shuddering. And um, the, the guy that was the, putting the light tubes, which were just fluoro tubes, into a light wall... Hmm. And he had a whole pile of tubes, obviously from the, the previous trade show. And he was picking up two bare wires and putting them on the ends of the tube to, to see, see if, it, if, if it worked. And you could see his little body just sort of give a bit <laughs> of a quiver, like, and the, and the light came on. And, he, and he'd say, yeah, good one. And then he'd do a bad one. But he would just flick the bad one over his shoulder and it'd just shatter on the ground. So there's all those shards of that fluorescent. Oh, they explode, yeah. Yeah, and it just, you know, and all this white stuff and these, these shards of glass on the ground. But he, he was barefoot. He yeah, was barefoot he was barefoot, sitting, you know, squat, squatting. But then the painter guy was coming along behind him, but he's painting up above his head and he's, and he's barefoot. And he's, he's painting along, painting along, and we're watching and we're sort of going, oh, you're going to tread in all this broken glass. And he just... Crunch, crunch, crunch. Just yeah. walked over this broken glass. So I suppose they're used to walking on hot coals and everything. So, but, but all those fluorescent lights were just a wire hanging from one to the next yeah, one to the, down yeah, to yeah, the next one, yeah. and then they put a poster over the top, a piece of glass, and it, and it worked. It's a million dollars. Yeah, and it worked. Like it yeah. looks like a professional outfit. We saw guys. We saw, we saw guys. There's no such thing as you know clamps or, or um, you know saw horses or whatever there. To, you know to put your work on to hold your work. It was. You put it on a piece of timber. You're cutting something with a with a circular saw. They put it on another piece of timber, put their foot on it, and then just come rattling through with this circular saw, literally within millimeters of your big toe, and just. <laughs> we had to look, we had to look away. We were seriously yeah. we at times we, and they would sleep there. You know they they, they um, you'd, you'd, we'd be leaving in the afternoon. There'd be people curled up on. On, on just beds made of rag and boxes and stuff, and showering there. And, yeah. well, it's an experience. It is. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way that you know. Well, it's a country of one point three billion people. You know, and it's mm. it's just the way of life. Yeah, it was a great great trip. Food was unbelievable. Oh yeah, the food's show, show incredible. Was great, and, yeah. you know, and, and diggers going gangbusters in in India. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I, I, I that did. Uh, strike me is that the machines on display are machines from 20 years ago so mm, they're, they're making models, stick yeah. machines yeah. Yeah, yeah for that yeah. market obviously the money's not in that market so 
Yeah, well, they have. JCBs I mean, JCB. Well, they have. They um, have a specific Indian model of all their, yeah. you know, their their backhoes and that. And I think every second household in India has got a backhoe. Yeah. <laughs> so know. I wouldn't be going to India to see um, the latest technology, but um, certainly um, an experience and mm. a hell of mm. a trip. Mm. I guess seeing a lot of the overseas, not your your big American shows and and that sort of thing, but a lot of the the other shows, it shows you how advanced the Australian market really is and how versatile the Australian earth moving markets had to be to you know you know and even I guess compared to the American market you know like a skid steer operator is still just a skid steer operator mm. in a lot of it and the backer guy comes in and the excavator guy comes mm. in whereas you know the Australian guys are one-stop shop and they get their one machine and do multiple mm. tasks so mm. well you know you, you see here um in Australia, you know, every 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 tipper or or, or um, you know trayback will have a a mini excavator and a skid steer. Mm. Um, unlike in the US, they they tend to rent a lot over there. You know, there's and then they'll have they'll have skid steers or, or, or you know, compact track loaders on the back of trailers, and everything's for rent. And people just go along in their pickups and grab a trailer with a with a Skid, skiddy or compact track on the back and away they go and do their job and then mm. take it back the next day you know there's there's a lot of people own their own gear but there's oh, i think a lot mm. more people rent gear yeah, yeah. And, and then india is a backhoe market the uk yeah. is a backhoe market yeah uh, it's just funny how different countries have adopted uh, you know different, different yeah, machines different machines yeah. yeah so anthony you would have um come across some funny experiences in uh yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah but, Probably not as uh, mistaken for a cricketer like Al, but um, <laughs> well, I guess one of my early shows, well, I think it was my first overseas show, I went with Al over to the US. Um, we were going to support ATI, I think it was, the mm. ATI at the time, and um, it was the release of Swing Control, SCS. So we'd built this, looked like a boxing ring, and um, to demonstrate that. So me and Al went over there to be the, the digger experts, and... And um, we were only just into, well, I think it was our um, first or second night there. We are on our way to Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I'd, um, I'd tore my calf muscle playing basketball just before we flew out. You know, I was limping and up and down. I had to stay awake the whole trip over and all this sort of thing. But So I was a bit, bit sorry for myself. Wasn't getting around so good. But we are in the hotel and Al's on the phone. And so it's probably not the show, but it's... Going to the show, this story. So I say to Al, you know, as I do, I'm, I want to go get a packet of chips or something, you know. I was a bit, had the munchies and so I, there was a service station across the road. So I'm thinking, oh, what could go wrong? I'll just walk straight across the road and back again. So I'm over there paying for my chips and I'm coming out. And next minute, down to nowhere, there's a guy beside me and he's, he's saying, oh, mate, I live in the... I live in the park and I fought for this country. Can you give me some money? And I'm going, mate, I haven't got any money. And I'm, I'm hobbling along and I'm thinking, this guy's going to he's going to shank me soon. He's, he wouldn't leave me alone. He's standing right next to me. He's trying to sort of block me from getting across the road and I'm walking across and, and I'm looking up at the hotel going, is that is Al there? <laughs> and actually, <laughs> help. <laughs> actually I, I was there. I was on the phone looking out the window and I... You know, just in you know, conversation, just you know, staring, and I saw Ant walk across the road and went went into this this service station, gas station as they call, and um, and as he came out and he's walking back across the 
the gas station sort of park. Um, with a fast limp. Yeah, with a fast limp. <laughs> I saw I saw the old mate sort of he was sitting around the corner, you know, and, and he um, he sort of hopped up and started coming towards him. And I'm I'm banging tapping on the window trying to get the answer <laughs> attention, but I'm you know four or five stories up and he couldn't see or hear me, and. Um, and then this this old homeless guy, oh, he wasn't actually old, he was, he was a young yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. Homeless guy sort of Slept came up in a tree, and, told me. and fronted him. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, I mean, it's funny, like I'm up there hopeless trying to, trying to you know, draw his attention to it and <laughs> hobbling along. Like, he, he looked like the, with the wounded. Mate, <laughs> thank God I got across to the, the road and there was a security guard at the hotel and he shoot him off quick smart. I, I thought my days in the US were numbered. <laughs> But then you, but then when we did that that um, that show, you 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 had a pretty good little camera oh, set up. Yeah, that SLR camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah that bloody got pinched. We, I put that down and turned it back for five minutes, and that was swiped. And so we had to go off to the security, find the security guard, and there was a cab driver, and he's telling us about how he's got a double barrel sh- sawn off shotgun down next to his. Next to his bloody seat in his cab, and yeah. now he's shot holes in doors and. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was so we'd make sure we didn't yeah. try and do a runner on the old cab cab fare. Off to the cop. But we had to do yeah, you had to fill yeah. out a whole big incident report yeah. and, and whatever, whatever. But ironic, you know, he's got his camera stolen. But this is on the day that the show was finished. We had to go and do this whole, you know, police report on the um, on the um, the camera, but. The next show in that that same, you know, exhibition. It was the Kentucky State Fair or something. Was the, the exhibition grounds? Um, was the National Gun Show? Was the next show, and we're watching people carrying in like machine guns and yeah. AK-47s and all this. I think, whoa, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah a, it was a, a diff- it was an eye opener, wasn't it? It was just. Another world going the first experience at Walmart or when we jumped in a Mustang. Driving out out to visit ATI, and we stopped in at Walmart, and you can buy a, a oh. two meter diameter concrete pipe to full camo gear with with yeah, AK forty seven and crossbows. I always say it's 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 um, you know the funny thing about the US. You walk into a you know a Walmart, and, and at the front you can get coffee. Um, Cookies or donuts, and they're to pacify the kids while you're pushing your trolley around. But you can go from that to, you know, from coffee and donuts and whatever to the other end of the hall where you can buy, you know, sewer pipes, 12 foot, 12 <laughs> foot diameter sewer pipes, jelly night, TNT, <laughs> and machine guns. Yeah. Bunnings all on, in one. All bunnings in one, on steroids. Yeah, bunnings <laughs> on steroids. All in one big store. It's like, wow. No, it, it is. It's a different world. Well, um, last um, World of Concrete I did in Vegas, flew in the you know the week before to set up the show, and the sex show was on. We set up for our show. Oh, how convenient! And, uh, <laughs> as we're packing down, uh, the gun shows are yeah. checking in. So yeah. in that two-week period, you know there was three uh, shows. You know, yeah. that, uh, worlds oh. apart. <laughs> worlds oh apart. yeah, yeah. 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 You walk into a pharmacy and they're not like pharmacies over here. They sell alcohol and, yeah. you know, yeah. they're just... No, it's yeah. fantastic. It's incredible when you've got a large population, yeah. what it leads to. Alan, you've got to have some uh, interesting stories over the years. Cool. 
There's a lot of interesting where do you stories. Start? Yeah, <laughs> where do you start? And look, no, I think we said it before, a lot of those stories are probably out for after nine. <laughs> <laughs> there was um there is one that stands out to me. It was I went to a a trade show in, in Saudi Arabia, um, in a place called Al Kabar. And and leading up to that, I was actually I went over there on the invite of the, the owner of Bobcat Saudi and and I would I'd done a you know, a bit of a round the world trip, you know, seeing all our dealers and whatnot and I was leaving Paris and the the dealer contacted me, the, the, the Bobcat dealer contacted me while I was in Paris and said asked me where I was flying into and because and Alcabar's got an international airport and I said I'm flying direct into Alcabar. And he says, oh, is there any way you could change your, your flight? And I went, you know, yeah, why? And he said, could you fly into Bahrain? And Bahrain's an island that sits off the coast of, um, or in the Gulf. Um, it sits off the coast of, of, of Saudi Arabia and it's joined by a, I think it's, I don't know, it could be a 20-something kilometre causeway. And um, anyway... I just, yeah, whatever, didn't argue with him, so I just changed my flight to fly into Bahrain and he had a driver there to pick me up and he took me across into into Saudi and, you know, was put up in the hotel and anyway, the next day the, the drivers picked me up to take me to this trade show and the trade show was it was purely, it was just a, a, a show for the, the Crown Prince of, of Saudi. It, it was really, it was just exhibitors and the crown prince was coming through with his entourage. No crowds. There's no crowds. There's no. It was. It was all for the purpose of him to walk around and have a look at the, you know what what equipment was available. And Aramco is the American Arab refinery. It's like a. It's a. You know, for oil. It's an oil company, and it was in their the the grounds of their their compound. But anyway, the um, to get into the compound, you, you you pull up at the security gate, you know, and there's a security guard and a boom gate. But when you look ahead, all you see is like a concrete wall, concrete barrier. Anyway, show your passport. They check you out. They search the car, um, look under the car for bombs and whatever. And Anyway, then you drive through. They lift the boom gate and the car drives through, but then it starts doing this chicane. You know, he, he drives through straight at this concrete wall and he turns left and then he does a yui around another concrete wall and then you're in this maze of concrete wall. And after about, you know, five or six turns, you pop out the other, the other end into the compound and directly in front of me was a, was a flatbed truck with a... 50 mil cannon on the back of it looking and I'm looking straight down the barrel of this cannon I'm going what and there's a behind it it's a dirty great big machine gun oh, and and there's a guy just sitting there just looking at you down the down the barrel really and you know my eyes were like dinner plates I was what the what have I got myself into and and we drove past the truck and sit, there's a guy sitting up on a stool looking down this this gun straight at the straight at the um, the security gate or towards the security gate, and old mate, his, his sidekick sitting on a stool next to him reading a magazine, and they just literally just swap, and they're there twenty four seven. 
Anyway, got around to this thing and I said, what's the go with all this to the, to the, um, the owner of Bobcat? And he said, Alan, he said, before we had this, these measures, he goes, there was car bombings constantly, daily, all around the place. So every compound there has a security and it has these dirty, great big cannons. Like and they just looking at you, and um, there was one uh, one of the nights following that that particular show, I I went I went for a a, a drive one day with um, uh, the general manager of Saudi Bobcat, and we drove from Alcabar to Riyadh, which is across the desert, and you know the things you've got to do just to go for a simple you know city to city drive. Because um, we're driving across the desert, and there's always chances of um, of sandstorms. They um, they coach a car in a wax. It's like a car wash. You go in, but they coach a car in, in this wax. And then when you drive across the desert, if there's a sandstorm, it doesn't tear the paint off your car. So you get when you get to the other the other end, you go back into another um, car wash setup, which de-waxes you so basically washes your car and off you go well because we were only there we're going to only going to be in Riyadh overnight he didn't he didn't get it de-waxed he just left it on and we went off and we went and visited the bobcat ranch in Riyadh and then we went out for dinner that night and then coming back it must have been the the only day in like 10 years that it's rained in Riyadh because you're in the middle of a desert and it's raining it was quite actually quite heavy and I'm sitting in the passenger side, which is in, over there's the right-hand side of the car, and um, Shums is the, the, the fella's name, the, 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 bob, uh, the Bobcat GM, and he Shums pulls up at a set of traffic lights and there's one of these machine gun trucks <laughs> sitting next to us and they were outside the, I think it was the American compound. And... Um, Anyway, I just put my hand up to the window in a, you know, to me just an innocent where I just tap the window and you can't see what I'm doing, but I've, my, my finger and thumb look like a gun. No. And I'm tapping the window and I said to Shums, I said, is this, you know, everywhere? Is this absolutely necessary? Shums just looked around over his shoulder, looked at me, and then all of a sudden he just accelerates. And I can't remember whether it was a green light, red light, whatever it was. He just <laughs> accelerated off off the line like he just he was starting at you know Bathurst, and and then he starts changing lanes erratically. And I'm going, Shams, what are you doing? And he goes, and he sort of gets away, and then he sort of slows down. And he goes, Alan, Mr. Alan, please do not hold your hand to the window like that. And, I, and I'm and then I look down at my hand, and it's in that gun shape gesture. Oh, <laughs> and he goes. Those people, they sit on those trucks. They will shoot first and ask questions later. <laughs> and I've gone, oh, really? <laughs> so I was really careful with my hand, hand signals I after that. I sitting on your hands in the car. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. But that, no, they were crazy. Yeah, yeah. N- another world. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, we might say goodbye for this show and uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening. See you, Zai. Before we go, if you have a question regarding this podcast or a topic suggestion for a future podcast, let us know by emailing podcast at digger.com. We'll try to answer your questions in an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed this episode of the Digger podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow so you don't miss the next one. And leave us a five-star review while you're there. 
And also don't forget to tell your friends about it. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and through our website, digger.com. Thanks for listening.